The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data. Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Today, we're going to discuss the challenges and opportunities of category creation marketing. Joining us is Josh Lohman, who is the founder of Goldfront, which is the original category creation studio. Goldfront helps founders and marketing leaders create new market categories through category strategy, branding, experience design, and video production. Some of their clients are companies that you know well, Robinhood, Slack, Uber. They've worked with a host of very interesting brands. And today, Josh and I are going to talk about what it takes to build your own category. All right, here's the first part of my conversation with Josh Lohman, founder of Goldfront. Josh, welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. Excited to have you as our guest. Let's start this off. We were connected by a friend of mine, uh, what used to be a fellow independent contractor, a podcast host, a man that I thought was in the same position I was on, where we were going to go it alone, be independent. My friend, Liston Witherill, you took him off the bench. You hired my friend who, I don't know how that happened. I thought he was going to be unemployed forever. First and foremost, let's talk about how you got Liston off the bench because he connected us. Well, first of all, I've been a fan of Liston's for probably three years now. And while we've never worked together, I just followed his podcast and kind of realized that he is so smart and he's so good at telling a story. And I just knew, like, I got to figure out how to work with this guy somehow. And back in December, we were talking about something else about his book that he's working on. And I just randomly said, hey, any chance you would come here and work with me and help me grow my business? And he said, I'm not in any way looking for a job, but let's talk about it. And one thing led to another and he came on and now he's our head of growth. There you go. I'm sure everybody on this podcast wants to hear more of the Liston Witherill butt kissing hour instead of learning about MarTech. But if Liston is willing to work with you, you must know what you're doing. And you've been focused on category creation at Goldfront for a while. Let's talk a little bit about what category creation is. When I say category creation, what does it make you think of? Well, the first thing is that just about every startup wants to be a category creator. They want to make a dent in the world, but they're mostly not doing it consciously. And so category design, which is what we practice, 
is the art of doing category creation consciously and knowingly. And what category creation is, is just saying that we're making something entirely new in the world. There's nothing else like it. The product we're making is not in an existing category. And that has a real pull to it when you put that out in the world that, hey, you've never seen anything like this ever. People immediately want to know more. So doing something that is net new to the world, never been done before, meaning that it doesn't fit neatly into the existing buckets, nomenclature, groups that exist. Now, when you're thinking about category creation, I think that every company that exists has to be categorized or can be categorized somehow. What are some of the normal ways that people are categorizing companies? And then how do you figure out how you can avoid fitting into one of those buckets to create your own category? So the kind of categories that we care about are not so much companies, but more products or services. So people think about the category of product they want to buy before they think about the brand. So first, I think I need to buy a car. Then I think about, well, what type of car would I want to buy? And that's why category is so important, because it's the first thing people think of when they think of buying something. And for a long time, before we hit this major wave of innovation over the last 15 years, people were not thinking about category as much because we're thinking about, okay, I want to buy a car. Now, what's the fastest car? What's the safest car? That's really about brand positioning, positioning a brand or product within an existing category. And what category design does is say, no, 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 you're making something entirely new. The whole job of your company and your communications is to tell the story of what that entirely new thing is. In the MarTech industry, I can think of a lot of different categories, and, and maybe I'm thinking of this as there are industries. There's the marketing industry, and then a subset of that is the ad tech and advertising and MarTech. And maybe those are categories. But I think of a category within MarTech being CDPs, right? Customer data platforms, CRMs, email marketing tools, marketing automation tools. Now, there's a hierarchy here that we need to talk about. Help me think about, you know, what's the difference between an industry, a category, a subcategory, a class? I'm sure there's different nomenclature. Walk me through that. Yeah. So the key for us is what do people think about when they're thinking about buying something? Nobody says, I need to buy some MarTech or nobody says I need to buy transportation. They think about something, a category that's more specific than that. I need to buy a car. I need to buy our CRM. And so the kinds of categories that we care about are the ones where it really matters in the mind of the customer, what are they thinking about? So that usually exists on the level of the product category. Now, you say product category, and that was actually going to be my next question where, you know, I'll use MarTech again as an example. No one says they need to buy MarTech. Someone might say I need to buy a CDP. Isn't a CDP a product? Why is that a category? Well, CDP is a category of products. So there are multiple people that make CDPs, right? So the first thing you think is I need to buy a CDP. Of the people that make a CDP, which one is the right one for me? Now, there's a marketing challenge here when you are doing category creation. You have to be outside of the existing category structure, CDPs, DSPs, LMNOPs. There's a million of these three or four letter acronyms in the cases that I'm using 
where, you know, that's how we think of these classes of products within the MarTech industry. If I'm creating a net new category, what's the roadmap for actually getting that out there? Let's say that I want to do a podcast analytics product and I want to call it an LMNOP. What's the marketing strategy there? Well, first of all, you have to look at what you're making and go, is this just bullshit that we're saying this is a new category or is it real? And if you're convinced that it really is an entirely new category, then you've got the green light to come out with the LMNOP. The next thing you need to do is create a strategic narrative. We call it a category POV. And so what the strategic narrative does is it tells the story of this entirely new category, including the problem that the LMNOP uniquely solves, the customer it serves, your vision for the future, what the name of this new category is, and exactly how it works in terms of features and benefits. And usually some people that you've already helped, sort of outcomes that you already have. And what we'll do is we'll write a strategic narrative that's 800 to 1,000 words, and it's every strategic idea you need to have to go sell that new category, but it's told in the structure of a story. So you can actually feel something when you're reading it back. You have an emotional response. So the way that we do it, it's very different than a PowerPoint presentation that has bullet points and strategic ideas in it because nobody cares about that. Nobody's going to feel anything from that. So we'll write the strategic narrative. And once you have it so that the CEO, the founder, the CMO all feel something and they're like, yes, that's our story. You pretty much know you've got your category POV, you've got the right thing. From there, you're going to go off and you're going to execute on that story in product, brand, all your marketing, your culture, operations, all of it. I don't know whether it's chicken or the egg or horse before the cart, but there's a metaphor somewhere in here when you're talking about marketing a category instead of marketing your products and services, right? If I am starting this podcast analytics attribution platform and I want to call it an LMNOP, why am I not marketing my product? Why am I marketing the category and letting people figure out that they need the category and then choose my brand? Talk to me about if you're creating a net new category, why would you bother to market the category? Why don't you just market your company? What you're really doing is you're doing both at the same time. It's not one or the other. When you're expressing what this new category is, at the same time, you're selling your product. But there's a moment when you tell somebody, this is an entirely new animal of thing under the sun that people want to go, well, how does this new animal work? And does it walk on four legs? Does it have wings? Tell me about how this animal works. And that's where category and product kind of meld together. And you have to do a little bit of description of if you didn't know what ride sharing was, if you only knew what a taxi was, somebody would have to tell you, well, this is how ride sharing works. You press a button, car shows up, it's somebody else's car, it's their car, you're going for a ride in it, it's a little bit different than a taxi. You have to explain all those things. And in explaining those things, you're really telling the story of a new category. So that's a great example, ride sharing. And this is maybe just my perspective, but when the ride sharing phenomenon started, I actually was introduced to Lyft before I was introduced to Uber. 
And I became a Lyft customer very early on as one of sort of the beta trial members. And it was this neat thing where somebody would come pick me up at a car with a pink mustache. I wasn't thinking I need a ride sharing solution. And the only time that ride sharing actually came into my head and into my cognition was when there was a competition between Uber and Lyft for my attention because I needed to classify those two similar products together. Talk to me about when you're thinking of category creation, is that really something you need to create and market a category when you're the only player in town? Or is that something that happens when you actually have similar competition? Yeah, that's a good question. And those two companies are interesting because they've been so successful, but I personally don't remember them doing a lot of marketing around naming their category. TechCrunch probably did it for them. Right. So if you take Lyft as an example, yeah, there's this new company, they have these pink mustaches, I can get a ride, it's different than a taxi. At that moment, the category is already starting to be created in your mind. And it doesn't matter whether the company is trying to create a category or not. You're already starting to have this idea that, oh, this is a new type of thing that I never saw before. And the category continues to get created when then you see Uber and, okay, oh, there's another one of this kind. And I see what's similar between the two. So the definition of the category is it doesn't necessarily need a pink mustache. It can still be ride sharing, but without a pink mustache. So your mind is unconsciously putting together this definition of the category. So now we all know what the definition of ride sharing is. There's certain specific details. It has an app, it has these kinds of cars. You have your choice of types of cars for different kinds of situations, how tipping works, how the relationship with the driver works, how the driver gets work. You know, people have all these details of what that category is. So the category has been created. And the only thing that category design really says is it is good for you if you do all that consciously and on purpose, because you're more likely to win the category. The last question I have for you is mostly around the psychology of categorization, right? It seems like the end consumer will categorize things in their head. There are two similar ways for me to get around using a stranger's car. There are similar products that will ingest all of my data from multiple different sources and centralize it. Ride sharing, CDPs, a million different category structures that we can think of. If the end consumer is going to do the categorization in their head, why does it matter if you think about it presently and in advance for them? Well, for a few reasons. First of all, if all this happens in the mind of the customer, then why does this matter? Well, because you want to have an effect on the mind of the customer. I mean, essentially, marketing is the changing of minds, changing of customer minds so they're more likely to choose you instead of somebody else. So because it works on the mind of the customer, that's exactly why you want to be in there framing the category and framing the story of the category so all roads lead to you as the best version of that category. Now, the other question is, if people are just going to think about the category, then look at what are the different companies within that category? Why does the category matter? Well, there's just a time-tested truth about the company that is considered the leader of the category is the one that will capture most of the profits in that category. Everybody likes a winner. That's why for 
motion picture marketing. If a movie is number one over the weekend, on Monday, they run an ad saying it's America's number one movie because people like to purchase from whoever the leader is. So an example would be Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola is the ultimate cola. They are selling the category. They're going to go out and sell cola because when you think about cola, you're going to probably have a Coke first. So whoever is number one, they are going to do something that every number one does, which is sell the category. Yeah. I think that there's something to be said for the growth of the category potentially raises the water level for everyone in the category, but it might not be equal distribution, right? When the category gets bigger, it probably favors the brand with the biggest recognition. So that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Josh Lohman, founder of Goldfront, for joining us. In part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow, Josh and I are going to talk about why high-growth startups should consider category creation. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Josh, you can click on the link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. His handle is Josh Lohman, J-O-S-H-L-O-W-M-A-N. Or you could visit his company's website, which is goldfront.com, G-O-L-D-F-R-O-N-T.com. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes, contact information for our guests. You could subscribe to our once a week newsletter and you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or you can contact me directly. My handle is Ben J. Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.